Chapter Eleven of Red Diamonds by Justin McCarthy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Eleven: An Interview with Mister Red Gundy. The Moonbeam, a sort of upstart and pretentious rival of the catapult, one evening came out with an elaborate and amazing report of an interview with mr randolph or as he preferred to call himself red gundy the report began by saying he had removed from the berkeley hotel into elegant bachelor apartments in st james's place st james's square the representative of the moonbeam was shown into one of the most elegant of these apartments by the bedouin attendant who watched over the outer doors he was then consigned to the charge of mr gundy's arab servant he was received with the greatest courtesy and was left for a while to meditate among the interesting collections of objects which told of mr gundy's taste for foreign travel sport and adventure all manner of weapons of chase were there and tiger skins alligator hides the antlers of various kinds of deer the skin of the grizzly bear and the teeth of the alligator there was a grand piano and there was a banjo and likewise a light guitar suggesting as the poetic interviewer said tender reminiscences of soft summer nights under some balcony in madrid or seville mr gundy evidently dabbled in the pictorial arts as well for the walls were ornamented with marvellously artistic etchings and silver points which bore the initials of r g plainly mr gundy had varied tastes and gifts for on the piano-stand and on the piano itself were lying several scraps of music bearing the announcement words and music by red gundy on a large table was displayed a magnificent sword of honour with jewelled hilt which bore an enamelled inscription traced in greek character and words along its blade presented to colonel red gundy by the patriots of crete in gratitude for his brilliant services as a leader of volunteers in their cause against the moslem oppressor near the sword lay a superb revolver with gold mounting and a scroll on the gold mounting made known that the revolver was a gift of emin pasha to his one true friend and companion in arms captain red gundy some of the pictures on the walls were those of beautiful women in foreign garb all made further precious by presentation autographs from the fair beings whose lovely lineaments they portrayed stuffed birds made up an important part of the room's decoration among those was an immense creature measuring seventeen feet from wing-tip to wing-tip and this the interviewer was informed was the celebrated rook or rock 
of which so much has been read in the arabian nights which indeed was long held to be a creature of fabulous birth or existence until the genius and enterprise of captain red gundy discovered its reality and its genuine haunts so much of the moonbeam's interview had been read with utter amazement by gerald aspen he was reading the paper in the familiar smoking niche of the voyagers club curiously enough his companion was red gundy himself gerald had followed up miss locke's request by seeking and making the acquaintance of mr gundy and she had brought him to dine at the voyagers club they had dined at the very same table where poor seth chickering dined gundy was now sitting in the chair where seth chickering sat just before he went out on that walk homeward which he never completed gerald had not yet begun to explain all his gloomy business to gundy although he meant to do it but as they were lighting their cigarettes his eye fell on the moonbeam and the big capitals announcing the interview with mr gundy and he could not help reading on a little way then he looked up in some surprise hallo i say you promised me the first interview for the catapult you know gerald said distractedly gundy was smoking a big thick full-flavoured able-bodied havana cigar which he had taken from his own case a new twinkle came into his bright falcon-like eyes as they glanced at the copy of the moonbeam which gerald was holding out reproachfully towards him promised you the first interview for the catapult why certainly so i did and so you shall have it my boy yes but look here what do you call that that thing in the moonbeam that why that's all rot you know yes but how did they get it did you authorize it well yes in a manner yes did you see any one from the moonbeam give you my word my dear boy i never saw any one from the moonbeam did they write to you oh yes they did what did they ask for well of course they asked for an interview and you said well in fact i said i was too much engaged but that my secretary would write them out the sort of thing i thought they would probably like to have then your secretary wrote all that glowing account of you and your rooms and your works of art and your presentation revolvers of swords of honour and all the rest of it not he he never wrote a line of it there is the best possible reason why he couldn't have written a line of it yes what reason why because to begin with there is no such person in existence i haven't any secretary do you want to know any other of the many indeed the innumerable reasons why my secretary could not have written the account of the wholly imaginary interview uh, no said gerald with a laugh i think his non-existence is reason enough for me although i don't say by any means that it would convince all of our present-day controversialists but who wrote the description then can't you guess 
not the least in the world why of course i did didn't i do it well haven't i got what your newspaper people would call a graphic style graphic isn't that the right word in the right place yes i admit the peculiar merits of your style gerald said still a little annoyed but you certainly promised me the first go-in and you always boast to be a man of your word so i am dear boy so i am so you will always find me i have broken lots of laws and codes and i don't know what in my time but never my own code never my own word a man's word ought to be his bond they say by jove my bond is my word but i can't now have the first interview why not here i am ask me anything you like interview away go ahead but the description of your rooms all right ask me about them why they are already described in the moonbeam gundy put down his cigar for a moment in the little tray beside him and exploded into a peal of really mirthful laughter he had a ringing silvery boyish laugh it did gerald good to hear it one could not distrust a man with such a laugh gundy fairly shook and rolled in his chair my dear fellow this is too delightful and are you really taken in really and truly why i am a child of imagination far beyond anything i ever ventured to dream of i shall take to the writing of sensation novels next well but do let me know what you are laughing at give me a share in the joke things are not quite so gladsome all round that one can afford to miss his share in any bit of fun good heavens don't you see why it's all a piece of invention that description all my own every word of it i haven't any such trophies i haven't any such weapons i don't compose music and words of songs although i do flatter myself i can sing a little and you have not got all the presentation swords and pistols from everybody not a sword not a pistol gerald was astounded and you did not capture the great bird oh come now i say that is rather too bad of you you don't want to make me believe that you could possibly have swallowed that the rock sint but the sailor's rock by jupiter i thought that was rather overdoing it even for the moonbeam i felt almost certain that would have blown the gaff on me but it didn't no it didn't why i say i suppose if i had sent it to the catapult it would have done you very well do you know i had a great notion of saying i had captured the rock in company with two famous sporting friends of mine sir john mandeville and his excellency baron munchausen i am sorry i didn't know i suppose it would not have made any difference then you really mean to say that all that description was a pure invention of yours every line of it gundy said with a look of modest self-satisfaction the look of one who thinks that this time come now he does deserve some praise and what on earth did you do it for 
why don't you see can't you recognize the friendly touch of a good comrade oh well i am quite willing to grant the intention but i positively do not see the good effect no that is odd how dull you newspaper fellows are why you are not one little better than the moonbeam yourself of course i did the whole thing to give you a lift dear boy don't you see you come out to-morrow the moonbeams sold hoax on our stupid contemporary our vulgar rival makes a fool of himself again up went the price of donkeys anything you like and then out you come with the real genuine authentic only warranted to wash fast colours entered at the stationer's hall sole secured copyright edition all rights reserved dramatic rights of course included version of an interview with captain colonel perhaps you might make it a brigadier or general gundy k c b but it will have to be admitted that it was you yourself who hoaxed the moonbeam people gerald said a little doubtful still as to his feelings on the whole subject and wishing his new friend had not quite so exuberant a sense of humour yes yes of course isn't that the real fun of the thing why not have a line hoaxed by gundy himself i'll stand by you old chap i'll say i did it all because i considered the moonbeam utterly unworthy of any serious contribution but that stupid as i thought it i did not think it was quite so ignorant an idiot as to be taken in by the sort of thing i sent along my dear fellow i see any number of extra editions of the catapult in the whole affair why look here colonel gundy's own explanation how gundy hoaxed our ridiculous contemporary gundy's own authentic explanation there are thousands of copies in that by the way aspen why do you always call each other our contemporary why not call them by their names as people do in ordinary existence gerald was amazed amused not quite certain whether he had to do with an altogether sane man and this adventurous new friend but certainly in all his ordinary demeanour gundy notwithstanding his odd manner and ways of looking at things seemed sane and shrewd enough well now for the real interview gundy said after he had puffed his cigar vehemently and chuckled to himself gasping between the puffs just before going to the real interview the interview for print you know i should like to ask you a few questions on my own account i say not necessarily for publication but as a guarantee of good faith no gerald said laughing at the incorrigible levity of his companion not exactly that but to enable myself personally to understand something of the mystery for there is some ghastly mystery in it the mystery of this whole business all right ask me any question you like and i'll tell you no lies there's a variation on the good old saying ain't it you go ahead and keep in the main channel or in midstream just as long as you can mr gundy settled himself out for a comfortable smoke and a good long talk 
let's begin at the beginning i want to hear about all of you who were in this company or association whatever it was called gandhi laughed all right let me see there were five of us you know seth chickering your father who always kept to his own name like the true-born briton that he was yes aspen said hurriedly the next in truth he was a little afraid to hear much about his father he preferred to have as few revelations as possible the details of camp life on the felt might be highly droll and diverting about the father of some one else but gerald had a good depth of reverence in him yet and did not care for any anecdotes mr gundy might have on the subject of the late mr aspen seth chickering he kept his own name too i needn't tell you much about poor old seth you saw him only once but such as you saw him then you would have seen him if you had known him for any number of years simple as a child and plucky as an english bulldog stick to his friend in life or death and act like a man to his open enemy not a treacherous touch or a drop of coward's blood about good old seth yes i should have thought all that there was captain locke an englishman too we christened him warbler because he sang so much and so well mr gundy spoke with a certain pathos in his voice how did he die gerald asked inspired to this question by the tone of gundy's allusion gundy had let his cigar go out he struck a match and relit it the operation seemed to occupy much attention on his part he looked away from gerald as he answered as a good many chaps die in such places killed in a fight it was a fair fight though mind he added hastily although i believe he was driven on to it forced into it and that he never wanted to kill a fly on his own account driven into the fight by the man that killed him no by jupiter gundy exclaimed with a sudden burst of passion the man that killed him was driven on too by that devil called noah bland noah bland the man who was lynched yes after i left i don't know where he was spawned or what thieves kitchen sent him out but there he was and he claimed to be the first man that found the diamonds and he was not he only watched and hung on the track of cleverer men and came up at the right moment and cried halves you know the sort of thing at least you would if you had been gold mining or diamond mining you were all englishmen all but seth chickering and after all he was of the same flesh and blood that was why we formed a company to pull together english-speaking chaps and guarantee each other against the africanders of all sorts and colours not but that some of the very worst of the same africanders were not a deuced deal better than such a cad of an englishman as noah bland well you agreed to work together yes we agreed to work together and to hold on together and to divide share and share alike 
and to have a regular offensive and defensive alliance we agreed that if any of us died his share was to come to any one he liked to name as his heir and that the others were to take care that the proper person was found if any chap died without telling of any heir then the share was to be divided along the surviving partners or the heirs of dead partners seth had charge of all the wills and he told us himself that he didn't have any kith or kin and that his money if he should be bowled over was to be divided among his surviving pals but good heavens who ever thought of seth chickering getting bowled over like that if i were the president of an insurance company i would have gone dead on seth's life now noah bland there was a fellow you might expect shot or lynched any day by jove i remember seth nearly killing him once upon a time and here gundy's face darkened again what about about falsehood and treachery about lying and making mischief about fetching and carrying i didn't know it then or i should have done the trick for him myself didn't know what that he had made the mischief told the lies on both sides got up the quarrel forced on the row the blood of poor captain warbler was as surely on noah bland's head as i am sitting here with you now bland is dead i was glad to hear that justice had overtaken him gundy said with unwonted gravity and the man you call warbler what about him we all liked warbler he had do you see the inestimable advantage of being a gentleman he had odd ways and he did not take much care of himself but he had a brave good heart and as i have been saying he was a gentleman well rest his soul he sang us many a good song and told us many a good story he used to talk sometimes to seth chickering and to me but more to seth seth was a graver and more sympathetic chap than i vieux fil de rire et de la blasphème isn't that the phrase in the scrofulous french novel but he talked to me too sometimes about her about whom gerald asked although he knew well that it was about fidelia about his little daughter here at home in england look here aspen i like you i have taken a liking to you and by jove i don't know whether it does you credit or the reserve that i should have taken a liking to you most of my family i dare say would make out that the mere fact of my taking a liking to you ought to damn your character for ever but i do like you all the same and we may as well have this thing out first as last it's about this girl i have come to england you know her then gerald asked in some surprise and with an inexplicable feeling of dissatisfaction know her not i how on earth should i know her i know her name and i know where she lives but i don't know whether she is ten years old or twenty i came because i thought i should like to find her out and make sure that she got her rights that was kind of you was it wait until you know out of regard to her father's memory 
no not that at least not that alone i came because i could not rest because twas i that killed her father gerald started this was indeed a revelation i want to know that girl red said the idea has got hold of me i think i would shake it off if i were you gerald answered why so how could you take her hand how could you give her your hand the hand that killed her father that's where it is exactly i want to know her i want to do something for her i would like to die for her if i might and if it would do her any good look here i am not a moral man or a scrupulous man even i am shockingly wanting in a sense of moral responsibility but i do feel a ghastly sense of responsibility for that man's death why i have seen men killed by hundreds in my south american experiences and have killed men myself and have thought no more about it than about the killing of cockroaches what do i care about a man or a man's life unless the man is my friend but this man's life i do care about it was a fair fight he was set on me by that scoundrel noah bland and i killed him in self-defence if i hadn't shot him he would have shot me what is there to repent of in that yet i do repent it i wish i could find a woman's relief from trouble and have a good cry over it give me your hand old man aspen said you are a good chap i don't think so i come of a bad lot curious all the women in our family were saints and all the men were devils all the women even who married into us were good and all the men bad well my first my very first feeling of what people call conscience is about that girl's father i wish to heaven i had let him hit me i wish to heaven i had let him shoot me why do i feel like that some of the fellows i have seen killed ay and killed with my own hand i dare say they had daughters too but i don't know i have got this girl in the brain and i am bound to know her and help her all i can you can introduce me can't you i couldn't i don't know why i understand your feeling and i honour you for it but you have killed the girl's father and i couldn't present you as the man who did it and i couldn't pass you off as a man who didn't do it there's my position gundy i like you immensely i don't blame you one little bit but somehow i couldn't do that gundy drew a deep breath odd thing he said how anybody will help a man to get bad and how few even among the good will help him to get back to something like goodness i thought you were the very man to help me to get acquainted with that girl but you have scruples well all right i have a way of my own old chap a way quite without you it will cost me something the giving up of a resolve i had formed i was determined not to go back to civilization now i've got to go back to it all through you but i don't blame you and i shan't bear any malice gundy smiled his sweet bright boyish smile and held out his hand to gerald 
"'What do you mean by going back to civilization?' Gerald asked. "'Do you mean staying in London? You must stay in London if you want to see her.' He did not mention her name. He had grown shy already of mentioning her name. "'Wait and you'll see,' said Gundy. "'One favour, my boy, I have to ask, and it's this. A man may have different names in life, mayn't he? There may be one name for London and another name for South Africa, eh? Well, if you should ever meet me with my London name, would you have the goodness to forget that I ever called myself Red Gundy? There's a good chap.' "'I say, what darksome mystery is this? May I not have the first of it for the catapult?' not a bit of it this little business is purely private and confidential we shall meet again as they say in the place and you will hear of me by a different name and that will be my real name and all i ask you to do is not to express any wild amazement over the transformation but just to take it for granted and drop red gundy for the present if you want Rat again, you can send for him at any moment, and he's bound to come. But above all things, remember that to that girl I am not Rat Gundy. I am myself alone. Rat Gundy killed her father, well and good. Uh, I mean, ill and bad. But I am not Rat Gundy. I am myself again. Don't be alarmed, old chap. There's no deception in the business all on the square honest injun my identity can be warranted on the most respectable authority i can have a bishop to avouch it if you like we have one in the family red stood up and the two young men parted gerald went home much mystified and feeling as if he were treading the mazes of a christmas pantomime was everybody going to turn out to be somebody else the other day he himself was a poor young man now he was to be a rich young man and hardly knew how it all came about the other day he made the acquaintance of seth chickering and now seth chickering was the victim of a mysterious murder the other day he had never heard of fidelia locke and now he was linked with her in a strange sort of colleagueship and he was falling fast in love with her the other day he had never heard of red gundy and now red gundy was his fast friend and was the man who had killed fidelia's father and now red gundy was turning out not to be red gundy at all but somebody quite different who was to come on gerald with absolute surprise this is becoming rather too much for me the young man thought as he walked homeward my whole life is getting to be a puzzle. I don't quite know what is real and what is not real, and it's of no manner of use to me for the catapult. Being all true, nobody would believe it. That evening Red Gundy went to his chambers, paid the bills, gave handsome largesse to the servants, had his trunk packed, he travelled as experienced travellers generally do, with very little luggage, and that little well compressed announced that he was going out to south america and drove to the railway station and took a ticket for southampton he did not go on board any steamer however he remained in southampton only one night and returned to london the next day 
having contrived in the meantime to make a considerable change in his appearance when he reached london he took rooms at claridge's hotel and then visited tailors hatters and bootmakers of the most approved order as he was passing a large mirror in one of the hotel halls he looked at his own face in it and smiled it was not admiration for his own personal appearance that caused the smile i don't suppose margaret would know me again in any case he said to himself but at all events she wouldn't recognize red gundy in me even if she had ever seen the worthy rat it was soon known in the hotel that the newcomer was the brother of an earl and that he had been about the world a great deal there was a vague impression that he had been rather a bad lot but that he was not nearly so bad as his brother and an impression got about that he had come home with a good deal of money all which facts or fancies were duly chronicled in the columns of the enterprising catapult but gerald aspen did not do any interviewing at claridge's the newcomer although the brother of an earl was not nearly so interesting a person as red gundy and the catapult did not take any pains about him the moonbeam made no attempt to compete for him but indeed the moonbeam had not yet quite got over the discouraging effect of the hoax perpetrated so mercilessly by red gundy the change of personality was a source of fresh delight to red himself who enjoyed everything that came his way and could if need were have lived in a nutshell and contented himself a king of infinite space End of chapter 11